Breakups can trigger intense emotional responses. When the distress from a breakup becomes chronic and interferes with our ability to function normally in our daily life, it can be classified as a traumatic event. Today, my guest, relationship coach Aisha Muhammad, and I will be talking about how heartbreak impacts you and your life and how you can successfully heal from it. Join the conversation as we discuss the impacts of heartbreak and give you the resources and tools you need to recover. There is work required to attain and maintain a happy and healthy relationship. We've all got baggage from unhealed emotional traumas. If that trauma heavily influences your ability to have a beautiful love story, I'd like to help you rewrite your story and support you through a journey of healing and overcoming. Welcome to Your Day and Beyond podcast, a show for women who want to rewrite their love story. I'm your host, dating and relationship coach, Shanette Ehiabi. Today, I have a very special guest joining me for a realistic look at the impacts of heartbreak that most of us have normalized as something that comes with the territory of falling in love. My guest today is Aisha Muhammad, Heartbreak Recovery Architect, Certified Life Coach, and Founder of Personal Growth Elevation. Welcome to my show. I'm so grateful you can join us today, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Before we begin, into this discussion, let's go ahead and start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we come thanking you today for guiding us and keeping us safe through the night, keeping our families safe. God, we just thank you so much for opening doors for us as women entrepreneurs, and we thank you for giving us the words to be able to speak to other women to hopefully change their life, change their love story. And all of this we ask in your name. Amen, amen, amen. I should tell us more about who you are and then walk us through a day in the life of Aisha. Okay, right. So beginning, I just want to correct you on the pronunciation of my name. It's Aisha. 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 Yes, I am so Aisha. sorry. Aisha. And you told me that before it was two syllables. Aisha. Yes. <laughs> okay. So who am I? Um, I'm a spiritual being who has force and power to create, to create anything that I visualize and that I please. That may be different, <laughs> but I think it's really important not to attach ourselves to, you know, titles job descriptions and things like that, because at the essence, we are spiritual beings. So, you know, that's Aisha. I'm quite joyful, high-spirited, a little quirky, but I love to help people, women in particular, to just be themselves, connect with and be themselves and to triumph over any adversity that they're experiencing. That is what really fills my heart space. Well, I like that intro because you said you are a creative being and you create. And I love that because we forget that we're spiritual beings and that it we do have the power to create. And I love that you have geared your business toward women. So have I. 
So I do love that. And I am so excited about hearing more about what you do. So tell us more about personal growth elevation and what your role is there. Okay, so personal growth elevation is my company that has been going for a year now. And the overarching idea and vision is that it's to do with personal growth. And I'm starting with heartbreak because it's something that I myself have experienced and know that many people have. And the vision is to help women to be able to overcome adversity. That that is the main thing. But I'm focusing first and foremost on heartbreak. So personal growth really is something that we come into knowledge of when we're going through life and wanting to reach for things, aspire for things and and realize that there's certain ideas, if you like, techniques and tools that we need to have in order to actually attain what we're reaching for in life. Mm -hmm. And it's important to have those tools and it's important to have people like you who can help women reach that potential that they're trying to reach in their lives because sometimes we're so engulfed in our problems or our issues or our lives that we don't see past that. So having that second person to give you that feedback, to take that, I would say, helicopter view Mm -hmm. that you're not able to see because you're stuck in the living, I think that is an excellent thing. Excellent thing. So what type of clients do you work with and what current projects are you working on? The type of clients that I work with tend to be mothers, entrepreneurs, and uh, career women. Okay. Those are the women that I tend to attract. What they all have in common is that on the outside, they're very capable they're doers, they're very powerful, but behind that, there's a lot stirring and going on that's keeping them from feeling fulfilled and really being able to be expansive in the expression of who they are and the things that they want to do in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? I think a lot of it is to do with societal pressures and messaging and also that person's own limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. and sometimes just being avoidant in actually confronting themselves Mm -hmm. in a loving way that also has a large degree of accountability. And I think accountability may be one of the biggest challenges. I know for myself personally, for the clients that I work with, it's the accountability factor that has a significant part to do with going to that next level or accomplishing the things you want. But being able to live a life, a fulfilled life, has not been something that society has presented to women at all. And more and more women are breaking out of the patriarchy system and realizing, hey, 
I can have a fulfilling life. I can be a mother. I can be a wife. I can be a friend. I can be a coach. I can be a financial advisor. I can be all of these things. I can be an entrepreneur and there is no ceiling. And I know we've all heard of the glass ceiling. It's it's imaginary. I think I, agree. Can, I think we can shatter it. It does take work. It does take commitment. And it does take accountability, but I think we can do it. What led you to the topic we're talking about today? What led you to work with women who are dealing with heartbreak or women who are heartbroken? I, before this niche of heartbreak recovery, dealt with burnout. And I did probably a hundred or so interviews market research interviews, podcast interviews. And what I found was that in order for women to break free from the cycle of burnout and really have introspection and deal with themselves and find freedom, they identified that they were in in a relationship that was holding them back, mm-hmm. like a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Many of them ended those in order to walk the journey that would allow them to focus in on themselves mm-hmm. and really thrive, find purpose and serve others. And I found that really interesting. So there was that part. And then there was also my own introspection on my life and relationships where I found that I had experienced heartbreak and went on my own journey and how I was able to have far more clarity and a deeper connection with myself and understanding. And that is is, is really how I found myself crafting this heartbreak recovery architect work that I'm doing and working in this area with women. Okay. And I love that because you and I talked before, we both have similar stories, not Mm -hmm. exact, but both long-term relationships where there was a lot of heartbreak in those relationships and how we have overcome those. And I think that's what attracted me to you when I reached out into our group and you said something about a long-term relationship and experience in heartbreak. And I was like, wow, she's telling my story. (laughs) She's telling my story. (laughs) So that's what really attracted me to you. Who do you believe is negatively impacted the most by heartbreak? Is it men or women? And why do you believe that? It's really complex. It's hard to kind of like make a, a black and white statement about it because I had an experience the other day with a man who said to me that since his divorce, he felt that he had been doing most of the work with the children and spending most of the time and that, you know, his ex-wife seems to be just getting on with things like unbothered and stuff. And he's reeling in pain. You know, he's come to realize that I am heartbroken. And he made the comment that it's not supposed to be that way. He's supposed to be the one that's thriving and 
happy and moving and on. <laughs> yeah, without a care in the world. And I was like, well, where did you get that messaging from? What makes you feel that? Because at the end of the day, innately, we're all human beings. We all have feelings. We all have a heart. So when it comes to men, they may not speak up about it as to label it heartbreak, but many are, you know, and with women, we tend to be more vocally expressive. Exactly. Um, and sometimes in coming to terms with certain things, you know, we become empowered. So a trend comes behind that, that is empowering to actually say that you're heartbroken, mm-hmm. you know, and that you have this, this story. And therefore, it's hard to really judge. I think it probably affects the male and the female as much, but one is more vocal about it. I uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. Now, I was reading something the other day, just researching a lot more about the topic of heartbreak. And you're right when you say that women are more vocal about it. And it said something like men tend to hold on to heartbreak longer. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's because they're not processing through it. I think it's because, well, I guess you could say that because talking it, talking about it is processing. Yeah. Not being vocal about it and holding those feelings in, I think, is why they experience more effects from heartbreak, according mm-hmm. to the article. And I agree with it. And they are not processing it. So they're holding on to the heartbreak longer. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. would say that is that is correct. Yeah. And I you think know? it all boils down to being able to talk about it, like you said, yeah. being vocal about it. Heartbreak is a common part of the human experience. We all know that. And mm-hmm. many of us will encounter it at least once in our lives or even more. Me. <laughs> me <too>. More than <laughs> once. <laughs> but to me, it has become something that has been normalized as part of being in love. And what I mean by that is a lot of people don't process through the emotions that come along with heartbreak and they carry that into the next relationship and the next relationship and the next relationship. And before I understood the need to process through my feelings, I can remember crying when I would experience heartbreak from a failed relationship. And depending on how it ended, I would even be angry But what I didn't do was process through those feelings. Instead, I just chalked it up to something that came with the territory of being in love. In your opinion, do women view heartbreak as something that comes with the territory of being in love? And why do you think that is so or why not? Mm. I do think that it's widely accepted as being part and parcel of love because you go into a situation being very hopeful that it's going to lead somewhere. I think, you know, traditionally a woman may want to get married, start a family and stuff. You know, you have your vision. When it doesn't go the way you wanted it to, then this is where the heartbreak enters because we're not just we're invested in the person but also the vision and the heartbreak can sometimes be split not so much about the person but more about the vision mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. multifaceted and um due to that which we can't run away from it becomes a part 
and parcel of relationships. Yes. Those disappointments in your vision, like you said, your vision for the relationship where you had hoped it would go can be heartbreaking when they don't come into fruition or when something happens and the relationship ends, especially if you didn't see it coming. Especially if you didn't see it coming. If you didn't see it coming. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that a lot of clients have come to have to accept and myself is that we don't have control over the other person and what they may want. What they wanted in the beginning Mm -hmm. may over time change. Mm -hmm. And you don't have control over that. No, you don't. But this is my philosophy on it. I believe that you should keep those lines of communication open. And a lot of times we get into a routine as couples. We get into, and I'll say just habitually doing things to where we're just going about our lives and not connecting and not talking to our partners to say, hey, are you still happy with what we have? Do you want anything different? Has your view changed? Especially when you have arguments and disagreements, those are telltale signs that let you know, okay, this person is not happy with the outcome of what's going on in our relationship right now. But do we really, as women or even as men, but I'm going to point the finger to myself in my relationship, the one that was so heartbreaking to me, the 10 year marriage that I left, because it was more than just the disappointment of it not being what I thought it was going to be. It was also abusive. And trying to have a conversation with someone that you're married to who is the abuser was very hard. So I shut down and I kept going like, okay, I guess things are going to get better. I guess he's happy in the relationship, but he wasn't. And neither was I. And we didn't talk about it. And I think having that open communication, because you can't control how someone feels or if they change their mind about your relationship. But I think we owe it to each other in the relationship to talk about it. But that doesn't always happen. Exactly. Because as you rightly described, if you are in an abusive relationship, it can be very hard to have those types of conversations because Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, that abusive person will be emotionally unavailable. Yes. And and so it is, it's this cycle of things not being resolved and piling up, which is going to cause the two to break apart. And one decides to leave because they realize they deserve better than what it is they're getting. They've tried. It's not working. So they right. feel like they don't have much of a choice, you know? So there is that. Communication is very key. And including the way that we communicate with ourselves and through the heartbreak recovery process, you know, that's something that's addressed as well. How do you actually communicate with yourself? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is important. So what are the consequences of not processing through heartbreak? The consequences is (laughs) becoming quite detached from yourself. Becoming ill in certain circumstances, like physically ill. Mm-hmm. Because when you have a lot of losses, over the end of a relationship is a loss, whether you walked away or the person left you, 
the build-up of losses, the build-up of trauma not addressed is just bubbling under the surface and it will express itself in many different ways. Mm -hmm. The mind can actually make the body ill, so people Mm -hmm. can become ill. Being detached from yourself, your feelings, your wants, your true desires, that's suppressive again. So it's a downward spiral in short of what happens. You may go from relationship to relationship and find that the same kind of issues are coming up because mm-hmm. you're not addressing your own behavior patterns. And it's just an endless cycle of going round in a circle because you're not addressing all that you have been through and realizing your areas that you need to develop in. Right. And it's only when, when you confront yourself, you look at yourself and how you've been behaving in these different relationships, what your relationship is like with yourself. It's, it's only when you actually have the courage and bravery to do that, that you can start the process of unraveling and the self-exploration, the introspection, the healing, the healing, all of that Mm -hmm. is involved in the process of healing to actually be made free so that you're no longer bound and you can be a more true version of yourself, knowing what you stand for, what your likes and dislikes are, what you really want to do and be about in life so that your life is fulfilling, you know, and things are expansive and you can be more present, you know, you see, hear, taste, really enjoy the moment with the people in your life. Yeah. I think that heartbreak, disappointment, Just anything that challenges us, if we take it the correct way, instead of trying to work against it, but go with it, grows us, develops us, helps us understand ourselves more. But a lot of people run away from those feelings because they don't want to feel those things. And I think they do that because maybe a past trauma, it brings up something from the past, how I felt maybe abandoned. You know, if if you break up with someone and they just leave, they leave the relationship without even giving you an explanation. And a lot of women are like, I need closure. I need closure, you know, but I don't think you exactly need closure from that. I think you're wanting closure from what happened years ago or past trauma that you need the closure from. And it all, like you said, just piles up, piles up, piles up with all of that trauma. And then you get to a point where either you're going to grow from it or you're going to continue to suffer from it. But I think that healing process entails also looking back. So when you work with your clients, do you go back to past traumas for them to look at, okay, this may be where some of this started from where it's on my part in the relationship not working out or things not working the way I wanted them to. Take us through some of the steps that you go through with a client to help bring them into full realization of their heartbreak, the causes of it maybe, or the impacts of it, and what will happen if they don't process through it. It's really the spotting of patterns. So the looking back is to really see, well, what happened to this relationship? You know, is there another relationship where you can see a similar thing that has happened? Mm -hmm. So then the things that are seen, the patterns are kind of grouped together. And then the person has to look at the part that they play. 
mm-hmm. why they allowed certain things to happen, maybe mm-hmm. why they didn't have a voice in the relationship, and where did that come from? Maybe they were needy. Where did that come from? How do they really feel about themselves? Where does that come from? Mm-hmm. So because we carry a lot of trauma, not just from our own life experiences, but those that came before us, things like having conversations with family members, the mother in particular, who when she was carrying you may have been going through certain experiences that mm-hmm. as the child in the womb, you yourself would have felt. So you may always feel that you wasn't important or you wasn't wanted. Mm-hmm. And maybe there was circumstances when your mother was carrying you, why you have that innate feeling about yourself. Why mm-hmm. when you're in a relationship, you've got certain behaviors playing out and it's all connected. So the person has to come to their own realizations about things. Mm-hmm. So rather than me telling you, I might give you exercises or things to read to provoke you to look and connect the dots for yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that's going to be the most empowering things for you. And you can go further back in your family line and learn about other people in your family that your life may actually be mirroring in present time because some of our traumas and stuff are inherited and there's just some that we come across through our own life experiences and not wanting to have a look and address that pain partly is a decision but partly it's to do with that part of the mind that wants to keep safe and protect you yes yes. you know so you can make a decision to take responsibility and address the things that you know you have the power to, but also be aware that there is a part of your mind that is causing you to do things that you're unaware of. Exactly, exactly. And I think that is the most challenging thing for people to look back into those past traumas because they may feel like, I don't want to experience that again. But if you look through a different lens, look through analyzing, not to feel the pain or feel the separation or whatever it was that caused the trauma, not to feel the emotions of the trauma, but to actually look at the past trauma to find the answers of why or patterns, like you said. I think that's why people get challenged looking back and don't want to look back. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with the past, Mm -hmm. but we have to. You can't go forward. (laughs) You can, you can move forward. You can keep living, but you're going to keep reliving that experience until you actually analyze why. Yeah. I mean, it's so empowering when you start to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. I had a, a client who always felt like she wasn't seen. She didn't want to be seen, like she didn't matter, like she'd done something bad. But when she traced it back by asking some questions to family members and seeing some of the circumstances that was playing out at the time, she came to the realization where those feelings were coming from. Mm-hmm. And she was able to reframe that and get that off her so that she could be more of herself because we carry things that don't belong to us. That didn't belong to her. Right. (laughs) Right. So yeah, that's the, that's the kind of work that I do self-exploration. Like what, 
lights you up. We often grow up, we forget the things that we used to do and find so much enjoyment from because of the responsibilities of life, etc. And it's to go back and explore those things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, look at your skills, set, look at your talents and really think about what you want to do with your life? Are you doing something that is enriching you, that really fills you up? Or are you just grinding 24-7 and you're not getting any fulfillment and you're looking for a means of escape? It's the time to really look into and address those things and write a new chapter. I love that. I love that. We need to take a quick commercial break. Stay tuned in. We'll be right back. This year, if you've resolved to change your life and level up, I want to invite you on a journey that will set your soul in the right direction and forever change your life. Now is the time to take action while your energy is still high around what you desire for your life in 2024. Now is the time to seize the moment before the momentum fizzles out under the pressure of life's responsibilities. Join me in Ghana, July the 6th through the 17th, 2024, for the Mind, Body, and Soul Experience. If you want different results this year, it's time to do something different from what you've been doing. Why not start with a transformational journey abroad? Demands on our times are only going to increase and keep us in a perpetual state of trying to catch up. But I know the perfect way for you to reconnect to peace and put balance back into your life so you can focus on your dreams and your purpose. Join my group tour, which is specifically curated to reconnect you to peace of mind and freedom like you've never felt before in one of Africa's most peaceful and welcoming countries. My tour partners and I have put together a beautiful experience that's more than a tour. It's an immersive experience in the culture and traditions of a country that is known as the gateway to Africa. You will fall in love with the rich culture, the amazing food, the beautiful country, and the hospitable people. Come join us for an amazing experience that will leave you with beautiful memories that will last a lifetime. I guarantee this experience will take your breath away and give you life at the same time. Go to yourdayandbeyond.com travel adventures for more details and information about the tour. Now back to the show. So before the break, you shared with us how you help clients heal from heartbreak. Have you been impacted by heartbreak? And I think you said you have. And what were the steps you took to heal? Okay, yes, I've been impacted by heartbreak (laughs) a few times. (laughs) And I was in a 10-year marriage, and that was something that I walked away from. I could see that it wasn't working for a long time. I could see that it, it wasn't going to be something that was sustainable for me in into the future. Mm-hmm. And so I had some hard decisions to make. Certain elements were uh, abusive, not by way of physical, but as we know, when it comes to domestic abuse, it can happen financially, emotionally, mm-hmm. mentally, and spiritually. And there was some of that playing out. And I decided to choose myself so that I wouldn't totally lose myself and branch out as to really find out more of who I am and to really just be intelligent. (laughs) 
about the matter instead of holding myself hostage to what I'd wanted in the beginning, what my vision was, mm-hmm. also trying to change the trajectory of my family tree. I was brought up by my mom solely. I didn't have a relationship with uh, my father until about age 19. And that was kind of difficult to really merge myself into my dad's side of family and mm-hmm. actually feel like a like that was a place of home, let's say, mm-hmm. and really wanted to, it to be different. So I got married, waited three years before having the children, three of which I have. I was a part of and still am, but was very active in a religious community, uh, did a lot of work there, great work. Mm-hmm. I think it caused some jealousy and, and, and competition inside the marriage. and. I feel like I try to tick all of the boxes, like in life in general, mm-hmm. to be successful, sensible, you know, went to school, college, university, got married in my 30s and wait to have children, had the children, you know, worked out in this religious community and such like all the things that would be deemed to be good you know serving your community mm-hmm. and then still at the end when I'm looking at this family tree where I wanted it to work out and <laughs> and and be different for my children and be different for me and it just didn't bloody work right <laughs> and there was heartbreak surrounding the vision and my efforts but then there's things that were not taught so in assessing my heartbreak and taking accountability you're not taught about how to set and maintain boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily taught about self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not taught about how to maneuver in marriage. My mum mm-hmm. was never married. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lack of education in these key areas, although I was making the step that was to lead to the success that I desired, there was missing gaps, right? you know? So through the healing process and looking at the patterns, the vision, and coming to the conclusion that I wasn't fully equipped to really know how to navigate and maneuver, like how to choose the right kind of partner. There and that was go. because... I didn't know enough about myself. There you go. I didn't invest enough into myself. I was very needy. Mm -hmm. And due to always kind of wanting to, I think, rescue and save the Black man, Mm -hmm. you know, put me at a disadvantage. Because you have to know what you can take on. You have to be able to know that there's a consequence to this decision and this is what it Mm -hmm. might look like. And when you Mm -hmm. have no point of that then you can make the wrong decisions Mm -hmm. and when I look back I had to come to terms with those things because when you look you'll actually see them staring back at you and so it was to start to fill those holes with self-love and compassion Mm -hmm. and learning about boundaries And asking myself, why was I so concerned about saving others when I didn't know enough about myself? What was I looking to gain from doing that? And so in walking through that, 
and realizing that you have to treat yourself with respect and with compassion whilst doing so because we love to beat ourselves up you know oh I should have known why did I do this why did I do why could I have seen I know you might blame other people why didn't anybody tell me because they know that you wouldn't have listened you know right (laughs) you go and unpick all of that and then arrive at this place of Mm self-acceptance of self-love of having an idea of what your purpose is you know, why do you get so much joy from helping people overcome adversity? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it about the process that you love so much? And for me, it's seeing God work within the process. Yes. yes. You know, actively come in and work by way of, they might be a scenario, you set your clients some work to do in a particular area. And the circumstances for her to practice that just comes up. And she goes off and does whatever and comes back and is able to share her wins or difficulty points and assess her own self of how far she has come. It's, It's just pulling strength and resilience and love for that person out of them so that it serves them and everyone else around them and it's it's like a form of resurrecting the dead you know on a a one-to-one level and it just fills me with joy because every woman that sits and thinks that she's worthless or she's weak is so strong she just needs someone to believe in her and show her the evidence from her own life experience that yes. she is strong and she is resilient and she is powerful. Yes, that is so, I love everything you said. Now, what resonated with me when you talked about accountability for the relationship you were in for 10 years, because a lot of times people want to blame the other person. But my first thought was, how was I culpable in this? How was I a part of this? Because No one can do anything to you that you don't allow. And I had to learn like you, what things that, why were I allowing these things? Why? Why did I allow this? Why did I allow the abuse? Why did I allow the mistreatment? And like you said, abuse takes many forms in marriage, financial, physical, mental, and I suffered all of those. So I did have to ask myself those hard questions. And I'm glad that you zero in on that with your clients because you have to look at your part in it. Yes, it was done to you, but how did it come to be that way? And the accountability part is spot on, spot on. And then when you talk about the revelation that your clients get from practicing the exercises or the activities that you have them work on and they come back and they're like, boom, a light bulb moment comes on. So I just kind of picked up on from what you were saying that you are, you are a helper. You are a person that wants to help someone that is struggling, somebody that's in need. And because of that part of you, that purpose in you, you had to be careful or you will have to be careful in your relationships that you don't take on someone else's stuff, but you keep yeah. a, you keep that boundary around it 
to protect you, which kind of goes back into my next question. (laughs) Working with clients who are heartbroken, it must be quite emotional at times. How do you protect yourself from being burdened by your clients' issues, especially when you're that person, your purpose is driven by helping them, wanting to help them? How do you keep that burden from coming on to you? Well, I have a history of working with vulnerable groups, young people aged between 16 to 21, working out in the community. And so I have learned professionally how to institute those boundaries. But also when it comes to my personality type, I've all, you know, my cutoff game, so to speak, is quite strong. So I can I can detach myself from people, but also their stuff. I am clear that that is their stuff. And although I may have been through something similar, you know, I can, you know, see and feel what you're going through. I'm very clear that it's your stuff. And I'm very clear that in my helping you, I'm giving you tools and techniques and processes for you to use to see your way out of that. Mm -hmm. So you have that responsibility and it's up to you how much you choose to use that. So with those types of things in mind, and just, I guess, my personality type backing that, plus what I've learned professionally, I am able to have that distinct line to know that I'm here and I care and I'm helping you, but this is something that we're doing together and you have a responsibility and I have a responsibility. And if we're both clear about that, then I know that your stuff is your stuff. hmm you know, and uh, aside from that, there is therapy that I myself engage in that helps, that can help with that by way of studying. And if I need to actually go into a session, then mm-hmm. I can do that as well. But I'm very clear not to allow other people's burdens to become mine because I have a responsibility to myself and also my family as a single parent to make sure that I'm in the best condition that I can be in so that I can continue to serve and be present. So keeping those things at the forefront is the way that I achieve that. Awesome. Have you ever come across a client that you were not able to help because for whatever reason that client couldn't accept doing the work or be responsible for doing the work? Yes, I have actually. And there was just things going on in her life why she had to take a break. But that was an opportunity for me to assess the situation and basically just make clear what the working relationship has to be like for her to experience the transformation. Mm -hmm. And I think that when this is something that you're doing from your heart space, it means a lot to you. It's a part of your purpose. You're not going to allow the dynamics of that situation to exist in your sphere because it's preventing you from doing what you're there to do. And it's counterproductive to that person. They're giving you money. (laughs) You're not going to get the result because you're not doing what you need to. Exactly. And I can't can't help you. So it's like you're sabotaging the whole purpose of why we're engaging. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a duty of care to make sure that that doesn't happen. Right. So the relationship 
the coaching relationship will cease if I see that you're not ready. Because right. if you're not ready, then I cannot help you. Exactly. So when it comes to making sure that I have the right client in front of me, mm-hmm. I do go through a process to make sure that this is the right person and that they're they're ready. That was my yeah. lesson from the, from that because why waste our time? <laughs> exactly, exactly, and waste money. And that part was something that I learned in the beginning too when I first started coaching. That you'll yeah. get people that don't really understand the coaching relationship. They yeah. look at it more as a counseling session sometimes where. They're just there to vent. No, you're here to work. Exactly. <laughs> because exactly. in order to change the behavior, you've got to change what you're doing. And that requires work, commitment, all of it. So yeah, I, I went through that in the beginning when I first started coaching too. And I was stuck. I had to call another coach like, what do you do when you have someone that doesn't want to do the work? And they said the exact same thing that you do. You got to cut the relationship off because mm-hmm. at that point, it's not serving either one of you. Yeah. If, if you take what you do seriously, you can't allow that because it it, it will frustrate you. It's kind of going against a core value as well, because you're not being true to yourself right. in allowing that situation to exist. So it's taking from, you know, yourself as the coach right. and robbing the other person right. <laughs> as well. So, and it can be frustrating for both yeah. people. Yeah, for Definitely. both people. If you created the top five steps to process through heartbreak, what would those steps be? Top five, I think, could be be still and breathe. <laughs> And get used to being still and breathing because we are so busy all the time. And for you to be in touch with yourself, you're going to need to practice being still. Right. And a lot of people have issue with being still. (laughs) And they they feel like they have to be doing something all the time. All the time. All the (laughs) time. Yes. Yes. So be still. The next thing I would say is to feel. Yeah, like you have emotions and it's to feel them. Don't mm-hmm. get stuck in them, but feel them because they're real and they're coming up for a reason. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it will be to do some introspection, to ask yourself some questions and be real with those questions. So you may want to journal so that you have a record of that. And you can actually do some more work with that. And journaling is so powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it can be done in many different ways. It doesn't even have to be written words. It can be with pictures. It can be with color. But get that expression out so that you can see it and you can revisit it at any point in time. And support. Get some support. If you're really having a hard time, find somebody that you can talk to. Mm -hmm. Find a coach so that you can get the help you need. And if you know there's something where your mental is really, really suffering, then find a therapist. Mm -hmm. That's three. So uh, four would be to make sure you have your self-care in. Yes. Yeah, take care of yourself. Make sure that you're eating, that you're drinking, you know, that you're working out. Don't let yourself just go down stuff in your face, drinking too much, smoking too much, partying too much, being promiscuous and stuff like <laughs> don't don't do that to yourself. Just right. 
take good care of yourself like you would a baby. Just take yes, care of I yourself. Love that. Yeah, be tender, be yes. kind. Look at yourself in the mirror. Tell yourself that you love yourself. Just, yes. just do a look at yourself, yes. you know, um, and show yourself some love. Eat good food. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. go to places that light you up, do things that make you happy. Yes. Um, do that self-care on a on different levels, not just the right. spar and the nails and whatever to keep the outer mask going, but really go into yourself with your self-care and just be really right. kind. And then the fifth thing I would say to do would be to try new things. Try new things. Yes. Try a new sport. Try, I uh, know, painting. Do a tandem skydive. Uh, travel. Hiking. Yeah, travel. Like, get a life. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of wallowing in self-pity, do yeah, something. You, yeah, move. Yeah. Don't have pity parties with your girlfriends. Yeah, I love your list. I love all five. Excellent, excellent. So what does your self-care routine look like and how often do you practice self-care? Self-care is something I practice on a daily basis. Paying attention to what I put in my mouth, Mm -hmm. um, making sure that I'm keeping hydrated and speaking really nicely to myself when it comes to my self-talk. You know, if I do something that maybe I shouldn't have done, not berating myself for it, you know, but saying, okay, well, you could have done that better. There's always next time. You know, if I'm feeling maybe that I'm not doing enough to really kind of just take note of what I am doing and Mm -hmm. just be encouraging myself, things like that I do on a daily basis, also having a routine. I have a nighttime routine because mm-hmm. I find that, I mean, I'm a busy mom of three, but I find that I really need downtime where I'm I'm just in a state of just being. So I've found that I achieve that best with like an Epsom salt bath. So oh, yes. yeah, at least three, yes. four times <laughs> a week I will have that bath, you know, I got my tray, I got my pillow, I got my bubbles, I got my Tibetan singing bowls in the background (laughs) of my favorite podcast. Uh And just to to be there and just to feel, and then I do lotion in my skin and my oils. Yes, just loving on you. (laughs) Yeah, and getting in my bed and just feeling like, oh, this is just so awesome. Nice. Clean sheets. And yes. we didn't share where you're from, what part yeah. of the world you're from. Could you tell us that real quick? Okay, so I'm from the United Kingdom. I was born and raised in London, and I currently live in the second largest city, Birmingham. So yeah. you guys experience all seasons, all four seasons, just like we do? We do. You could say that, but we hardly get any summer, the you know, uh, anymore. When I when I was growing up, we used to have clear, distinct seasons. But now we run struggle into to get a few each other now. Yeah, they run into yeah. each other. Like all this week, we have been having seventy high seventies for our temps. But last week it was freezing. So we get the back and forth here. But when you were talking about taking the bath and lathering up with your lotion and getting into your bed, I'm just imagining 
nice, crisp white sheets, a big, comfy, cozy comforter on top of the bed because I hear it's cold in your part of the world just like it gets cold in our part of the world as well. I haven't had a chance to visit, but maybe one day I'll get there. Um, That is on on my bucket list. So I definitely will stay in contact to look you up and come visit. But all of your self-care just sounds so good, especially your nighttime routine. I am such a jump in the shower, get out. Because like you said, our life is so fast paced. And that is something that I do look forward to sometimes. Like, oh, I'm just going to go take me a, a nice warm bath and just, relax in water. It's something about water. I love the the ocean, the sea, just something about water, but I love your list. So what's next for personal growth elevation? What do you have coming up on the horizon? I have a series of one-to-one coaching packages and that's what I will be releasing, uh, having a wait list for, and I'll progress to group coaching And also when it comes to my audience in increasing my visibility, um, over time, my favorite platform is Facebook. I'm making some inroads on LinkedIn and I'm over there on Instagram also, but I get a love from one-to-one coaching and doing group coaching is something that I really want to progress into as well. But increasing visibility is good because I have more males following me than females and I serve females yeah yeah so I may even diversify and do something for the brothers because they peek in and they appreciate the content (laughs) so that may be another another avenue you could go down and explore I love that now for your package that you have coming up your one-on-one package is there a way that they can get a hold of you. I was going to ask you that question anyway about how we can get in contact with you, but is there a different method that they need to go through for your one-on-one? For my, I, because I'm so much on social media, I do encourage people to either click the link in my bio that will take okay. you to my bio site or to just inbox me on any of those platforms because I'm there the DMs are open and I will respond. I'll just send you a link where we can hop on for a Zoom call and we'll just take it from there. Okay, awesome, awesome. And what resources or books would you recommend to women who are healing from heartbreak? Um, I would recommend the book by Miss Nedra Tawab in regards to boundaries. That's a very good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are really to do with the personal growth aspects. It didn't start with you by Mark Wolin. Okay. Those, those are two very good books. Okay. Repeat uh, those two titles again. So the first one is by Nedra Glover. Toab, Set Boundaries, Find Peace. Okay. The second book is It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. Awesome. Because they really help you to connect the dots when it comes to the behavior patterns Mm -hmm. and how to set and maintain boundaries. And I think that in healing from heartbreak, 
that's one of the chief things that you need to do because Mm -hmm. many times when people look back, it's the lack of boundaries Mm -hmm. that really got them into some situations that led to suffering losses. I can attest to that personally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again for joining me today. Now, before we close, let everyone know how to connect with you. Give us all of your handles, your channels, website. Give us all the information so that people can connect with you. Women can get in touch with you to join your one-on-one program. Let us know what that is. Okay. Well, you can find me on Facebook. I have two accounts. One is my name, Aisha Muhammad, and Aisha is spelled I S for sugar H. E for Echo, A for Alpha. And you can also find me under another account, which is Heartbreak Recovery Architect on Facebook. And on Instagram, it's Personal Growth Elevation. Personal Growth Elevation is also on YouTube. And my website is personalgrowthelevation.com. Okay. And podcast? Um, My podcast is the Aisha Muhammad podcast. Okay. And I'll be relaunching that later this year and it will be centered around the work that I'm currently doing now. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I have one last question before we go. If you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? War. (laughs) Less. Uh, To eradicate the wars that are happening in the world today because it's causing so much destruction. I often ask God, why is it there are people on the planet that have to go through the experiences that they're experiencing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you saw fit to choose them and not me. Mm -hmm. But the mind boggles at what people's realities are in war-torn parts of this world. It's mind-boggling. So for world peace, I guess, for war to cease, I would extract that element. Well, I am going to echo that. I would love peace as well because even though some of the wars are in different countries that are away from us, it still impacts us. Exactly. Whether we realize it or not, it does impact Mm -hmm. us. Well, thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to tune in next week for the final episode of Love Stories. Join me here on Tuesdays as we dismantle and unpack faulty belief systems that block you from the love you deserve and desire. Turn on your notifications so you don't miss the new episodes and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I know you have many choices when it comes to listening to great content. I'm thankful you chose to listen to your day and beyond. Hit the subscribe button now so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a comment. I'd love to hear your feedback. If this episode inspired you, please share it with a friend.